Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I'm talking to Theo Stickley. Theo has a wealth of experience in mental health, in PhD supervision, in PhD examining and this was a fascinating conversation. We started with this sense of um, the PhD as as a creative process so we were thinking about it as as a creative journey as a process of synthesis but then what came through um the discussion is this sense of of the kind of relational quality and um relationship with yourself and your own intuition and relationship also with your supervisor and with your potential examiners too so i do hope that you enjoy this episode Theo. Good morning, Emma. Um, thank you so much for saying yes um, to come and talk to us. Um, we've known each other for a little while, haven't we? And met you through arts and health projects. Um, and you have a very, you've had lots and lots of experience um, in higher education, in mental health, um, and in thinking about health and creativity. Um, so I'm really pleased that you said yes to uh, come and share some of those thoughts of us. Um, I always begin by asking people about their journey into um, their own uh, research work. And so can you um, share a bit of your story with us, please? Um, yes, of course. Um the focus of my PhD uh, was on arts and mental health. And how I came into that, um, I need to very quickly go back into the 1980s, uh, the late 80s, when I moved up to Nottingham to train as a mental health nurse. And while I was waiting for my training to start, I volunteered at the Mapley Hospital, which uh, in those days was still a huge neo-gothic asylum building on the top of the hill and um, I volunteered on the acute wards and my one of my first impressions of of the wards up up there in this old asylum building was um, how drab they were and how bored people were so I took my guitar in and started singing with people and I started doing poetry going out for walks I set up a drama group. Um, Fantastic. So I I just did what came naturally and intuitively Mm. um, to bring a bit of enjoyment, fun, creativity, expression into what was a very drab environment. So that's where it all started. Then um, I I trained to be a nurse um, and I worked for eight years as a mental health nurse. And during that period, I um, brought creativity into my practice as much as possible and influenced other people to do the same. Um, So um, when I uh, got a job at the university to teach mental health nursing, I was encouraged 
to um, to do a PhD and um, also supported to do that with time and um, 75% of the fees, which was very, very Amazing. helpful. Amazing. Uh, and um, so I, I think it took me four years, um, but the, the, they gave me a, a day a week and, you know, that probably had more than that, to be honest. So, um, and, and I thought the obvious focus for my study would be on the arts and mental health because that's what I'd, I've just been doing intuitively mm. for, for the previous um, 10 years or so. And so you then went on, I know, to develop that 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 practice through lots of different projects um, and also develop your kind of theoretical reflection on that um, and have impacted lots of people with with your work. Um, so th- I, this is why I was excited, because you are um, uniquely placed in terms of talking about mental health um, and doing a PhD and creativity. Um, and as we know, creativity is is um, a kind of uh, a wellspring. It, it kind of can invigorate and um, inspire. And I just wondered whether you have any thoughts for um, PhD students who may be struggling right now, feeling stuck, because I think that can be often... Um, something that that comes to people and how they might find creative ways through that Mm, mm. um yeah i mean there's lots i'd like to say about how i conceptualize phd as a creative process but i won't ignore your question about being stuck (laughs) um so if i deal with that first and then go on to you know more about creativity in 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 study um feeling stuck is a very very difficult place Mm. and i think people just need to tap into their own intuition into what do i need um and think less about stuck but think of me as a an expressive human being with potential Mm. um and what especially during this these times of being locked down and everything because i I think um so many of us are feeling starved of the things that normally nourish us both socially and culturally so i i think um it's even more difficult perhaps at this time to identify um what can unlock us you know, what is it that normally or that what's helped in the past? Mm. Mm. And um, what has invariably what has helped in the past is what will help us in in the future. And what's hindered us in the past um, is invariably what will hinder us in, in the future. So it's about being able to recognize the normal patterns in our lives and how that impacts upon our study. So this is where creative activity and cultural expression and um, artistic expression or or whatever um, comes into its own because it's through tapping into these intrinsic creative needs and urges that we have um, enables us to succeed enables us 
to bring about change in our lives, enables us to think in parallel ways, in different ways. And, um, and so I would say the key to unlocking stuckness is can definitely, definitely be found into reflecting ourselves and, and identifying what is it creatively that has helped me in the past and what can I do about that now? And some of it, some of it might be a bit too ambitious, you know, first thoughts, but it's about identifying step one. What can I do today? What can I do by the end of this week? What can I do by the end of this month? Um, so identifying steps towards um, bringing about change, because we can't just wave a magic wand. Mm. Um, but we are, you know, our, our destiny is in our hands. It's, mm. um, it, it's up to us to find our way forward. And this is where creativity, and I'm not going to prescribe any specific creativity because we're all so different. But, what, think, you know. Yeah, and that, that I, I love what you're saying there about that kind of going in and that intuition and you talked about instincts and urges and this sense of, because I think often we externally reference and we're looking for someone else to tell us what to do um especially in an educational context i think it's kind of we're, we're looking for external um validation which which of course there's there's part of it which of course there is external validation being sought but um recognizing that that you as you say it's it, a lot of it's in your hands and that you have um, instinctual knowledge of what serves you well and of your own processes and creative processes um, and I know you want to talk about that and I would love you to talk a bit more about that in terms of the PhD being a creative process and something that someone is going to kind of um, organically navigate I guess. Yeah yeah I'd, I'd love to talk a bit more about that please do <laughs> <laughs> okay so um there's some of this that won't be relevant to people that are doing very reductionist scientific kind of research but for me um you know i'm very much a, a qualitative researcher um largely in the topic of the arts and human relations as well as mental health um so for, for me, study is a creative process. And when it stops being creative for me, um, I, I, I go to a very unhealthy place. Mm. I, you know, it's not, it's not what I want to do. I, I, I believe that um, as human beings, we are enormously creative people so if we're, if we're embarking on a huge project then I think it, it's got to be a, uh, we've got to bring our creativity and allowed to to express our creativity through that project mm. so one way of doing this for me um, and for the students that I've supervised I, I, I would always say something like this that I would rather look at a PhD as a book that you're writing and you happen to do research for that book. Yes. Because the, the traditional way of approaching a PhD is that we conduct a study and then write it up. 
And I think that's the wrong way round. I think what we should be doing is, is thinking about um, the end result as a creative um, thing at the, at the end. Yes. Um, and so what we do is we plan our steps to get to that finished product. And it is all about a finished product. We have to produce a thesis that gets examined. But the emphasis in my mind shouldn't be on, on, on just um, conducting a study, you know, planning for a study and implementing it and writing it up. It should be about me as a researcher on a journey. And along that journey, I conduct a lot of research. Some of that is from books. Some of that is, or a lot of it is from journal articles. But it's also about talking to people and thinking laterally away from the tight focus of my study. Mm. So this is where we come to an area of creative learning. You know, if I'm if I'm studying one thing, the last thing I should be doing is focusing and uh, harnessing all my energy in looking deeply into that one subject. Because what we should be doing is asking all sorts of critical questions around that subject. Mm. And those critical questions may only be answered by dipping into other disciplines. And this is where you know, say I'm I'm studying, um, let's say, uh, mental health nurse um, implementations on, a, on acute wards. Well, that is a very, very interesting area that um, that I'll find a lot of information in the academic um, world and in academic books on, on nursing as a process. But also, at the same time, there are all sorts of other things going on. There's all sorts of socio-political um, things going on, psychology and, um, and about groups of people and about power. And so it's, it's about studying those other areas and looking outside of the focus that um, answers may come in a creative way, mm. when we're not looking directly at our question, but asking questions around our question and exploring areas that are unseemingly, well, not obviously related. And I think for me, that's about unlocking a creativity, whether it's in myself or in, in students, something able to unlock creativity within themselves. It's just think outside of the square and to explore areas creatively um, in our thinking, but also in our practice um, to, to help us get away from what may be blinding us. And that is looking, if you like, imagine looking straight at the sun. <laughs> you know, some, we have to look away from um, what we're really, really focusing on and um, tap into our creativity in order to be inspired and to find answers and to move on. Mm. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> it makes absolute sense in terms of doing that kind of process of synthesis in order to bring things together in new formations. Um, and as you say, then that, that may be looking outside your discipline, maybe looking from a different perspective um, so that 
actually, yeah, you're able to make intuitive links with things. You're able to, yeah, draw together your material in a, in a new way. This whole thing about originality, which gets talked about a lot, actually, there's no such thing as originality as, as we all know, but there is your perspective on the work and there is the way in which you've assembled um, material and brought it together. Um, and I think the 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 that broad perspective that you're talking about in terms of bringing a range of material together really allows that originality to happen because you've, you've got those, those um, resources to draw on. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in, in some areas, uh, historically, it might have been referred to a liberal arts education, if you like, mm -hmm. you know, that, but um, that that's part of um what is important to me is, is, is to learn from the arts, to learn from um, disciplines that aren't immediately related to, 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 what, to what we're doing. And I think in terms of a research process, um, this, this makes reflexivity make sense because, you know, as you were saying, it's about what what you bring and it's about your journey and your experience so reflexivity in um certainly in qualitative research is about owning those processes and that journey that adventure that intellectual adventure that the student is on yeah. and being able to record that and reflect upon that and that, for me, is the meaning of, of reflexivity. Reflexivity. I mean, you know, we could go into that more deeply. But just to give an idea, when I wrote my 100,000-word thesis, by the time I submitted it, my journal, which wasn't submitted, was about the same size. Right. Because, you know, I'd just done creative writing, if you like, for four, four and a half years. And uh, so I would develop my journal at the same time I would develop my studies and my thesis. Yeah. And in, in, incidentally, you know, that, that work, although nobody, generally nobody else reads it, for me, I think is the most important output because that's what enabled me to make sense of my studies was writing about it in a journal yes and that sense of which links to what you're saying before of seeing yourself as a writer that, that you are you're a writer rather than a kind of researcher first of course you're a, of course you're a researcher but that sense of kind of your writing process as being really important um, and I also just wanted to talk just to mention again that that sense of that interdisciplinary study because you and I have both done quite a lot of that kind of work. And I think what I found so interesting about it is the sense of when you're working interdisciplinary in an interdisciplinary way, what it does is it really throws into sharp focus your discipline, the contours of your discipline. Um, and that's exactly what you're saying in terms of enabling the reflexivity because you, you're looking outside and then it, it throws into relief what you what your discipline does the norms of your discipline which you might not see if you were if you were not stepping outside of it yeah um, absolutely and the, the benefit of reflective writing is that you're able to 
synthesize that process mm. and come mm. out with something that is potentially you know your significant contribution to knowledge yeah but it's yeah. only by doing that synthesis and committing it to to writing and just to be clear you know your supervisors don't have to read your your reflexive reflective journal that's just for you but it's a discipline of helping you to process and to synthesize that learning and what we mustn't ever forget about a phd product project is that it is about learning mm. it's not just about studying something and getting results mm. it's about the individual's learning and um <clears throat> I guess what I'm talking about with this you know, liberal arts education is uh, another old fashioned um, uh, educational theory is about deep learning. Yes. And, and, and also this kind of emotional intelligence that one gains through um, connecting with the arts and reflecting on one's processes. It's about it's a kind of learning that is transformational. It's about I am changing as a person in a way that I'm growing as a person. I'm becoming someone new, not only through academic learning, but through an experience of deep learning and being stimulated and inspired by ideas that are also interdisciplinary interdisciplinary yeah so that it, we keep talking about that here in terms of the sense of the phd as a personal development journey that's that that's kind of that's what nobody really talks about but actually that is what goes on that you would ch that you change and you develop through that process and so this idea, this key idea for you in terms of writing a diary, a journal, a reflective journal, as, as that being kind of your accompanying you on the way through your through your PhD journey, I think is really is really, really useful um, as a as a document and as a, a yeah, as a reflective tool. Um, mm. So that's already one top tip, because I always ask people um, for a top tip for a. Uh, um, others to take away now actually in advance of this um, interview you brilliantly sent 10 top tips <laughs> for, for PhD students which we will we will have we will send out to people so you can you can click through on those um, from the show notes um, so I, do, I don't I don't know whether you want to go through all 10 or whether you whether you have particular favorites that you would like to share as as top tips we already have the diary which I think is is really yeah really brilliant really useful for people mm. yeah of course um, <clears throat> um yeah i know <clears throat> for many students uh, they're not able to choose their supervisors but mm. if it, if at all possible um for people certainly setting out on a phd um i think um Choice of supervisor is hugely preferable. Yes. Put it like that. Yes. Um, you know, I've 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 seen some um, uh, sorry cases of um, just a complete mismatch between supervisor and student. Um, 
so the relationship between student and supervisor is really really important mm. and um um when when that relationship isn't good then we you know there's a, a real often a very real problem and have you got but, any advice for people if they are if they are just now thinking about looking um for a supervisor what to look out for well because there are two sorts of looking there's one sort of you know internet based looking mm. and then the, there's another by reputation mm. um you know don't just judge an academic by their you know their reference list that you that you, you know what they've published because um what is very very important isn't just that there's um a kind of a topic match or a methods match but there needs to be a kind of a relational match as well so if at all possible to go and have a chat with a prospective supervisor you know once you've you know that the topic's right the methods are consistent with their approach you know if, if at all possible go and have a chat with 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 that person um and and just get a sense of the chemistry yeah and that is okay I think people don't always feel that they can make an approach directly to an academic you will probably have to go through um, a formal process too and submit through a, a doctoral school or graduate school whatever they call it in the university you're applying to but um if yeah that you can talk to individuals um and make an approach um to them and get like you say get a feel for them and get a feel for the relationship that you might have with them that's really useful advice Um, and then once once um on your uh on your journey um again it's it's, it's on a very in a very similar vein is 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 just be very careful about who you select for your external examiner yes yes um and I mean, I'm speaking as an external examiner. I've, I've examined a good number of, of PhDs. Um, and um, obviously, I've um, supervised a good number of students as well. And, and some of the um, most complex problems I've, I've dealt with is, you know, to do with um, the examining process. Mm. Um, and uh, you know that there's there's very very little comeback if if there are issues with an external examiner. Mm. Um, so, so again, yeah, do you have advice care. in terms of what people should be looking out for in an external examiner? Yeah. Um, again, I know it, it's tempting to go. Uh, to approach someone who's a you know like the top of their tree and a guru in this subject or you know you've you've loved their work and you've um cited them so many times in in your own thesis but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the right person um to examine your phd i think <clears throat> it's very similar to the um the criteria for your supervisor Yes, are they an expert in their topic? But <clears throat> do you have to go to someone who's at the top of the tree? Um, you know, um, maybe there are lots of people climbing that tree who are just a few stages ahead of you that might be better. Because the other thing you need to know is um, preferably from others 
that have been examined by this person is that they're they're um, a decent human being yes you know then yes. just because they're a, a leading academic doesn't mean that they're not um an assassin you know <laughs> with this, i know it sounds horrible but you know academics often think they have something to prove even if they're very successful and um you know i i, I don't want to um sow a lot of negative seeds <laughs> but you know let's you know listen to what people say about this academic about their reputation yes yes you know are they good human are they good human beings yes yes i think absolutely yes um and that is really worth exploring and so taking time with the examiners and being part of that process is really important because this is someone that you're inviting to come into relationship with your work and also potentially going forward you know that they they may be someone who um can recommend your work going forward can invite you to do things and you so you want to have a really positive relationship with your examiners um I feel like we've got real value for money from you, Theo, of <laughs> three top tips of the diary, of the relationship with the supervisor and relationship with the external examiner. Um, thank you so much for that, for reminding I've got, us. I've, I've just got one more I want oh, to yes. share. Right, blimey, a bonus, <laughs> a bonus. Let's do All it. Right. When it comes to um, your examination and... You're going into that viva, an absolute bag of nerves. One thing that I wish I'd been told before I was examined for my PhD is that the truth is the internal and the external examiner have already read your thesis. They've already exchanged their views, had long discussions with one another. And it's virtually always the case that, nearly always the case, that they've kind of decided what the outcome of that viva is going to be before you go in. <laughs> so the point about this is that you can relax because unless you, you know you, you completely clam up, it's not going to change really what they've already decided. They've made a view on, on your collectively. They've got a view. And normally internally, external examiners agree um, on, on the proposed outcome. Um, so unless you, you know, really, really, really put your foot in it, nothing, there's not a lot you can do or say that, that will change um, what change the, the outcome of, of the Viva. So just relax, relax during the Viva, stick to what you know um, and what you've done and uh, what you've written and what you've learned and you'll be fine. Yes. I mean, you're you're the expert in that moment. I always just encourage people to remember it's their opportunity to show off. Like this is these are people who are really listening to what you're saying about your research and that you are deeply immersed in that. And this is an opportunity for you to to demonstrate that knowledge. Um, so, yeah, I think relax. Relax is the aim. <laughs> <laughs> if people can get to a relaxed day, fly me. I I honour them. Um, I remember my legs buckling beneath me um, in my viva. But uh, absolutely, I think that sense of of that they're they're there with they've already read it and they they are there to listen. Um, 
and attend to your work and attend to you. Um, right, well, we definitely got value for money then because we've got <laughs> we've got four points from you. Um, and you'd, as I say, you've given 10 and we will make those available so that people can have a look at those. Thank you so much, Theo, for just, I think what's come across for me in terms of what you're saying today is the, the kind of humanity of this process, the people in this, that you as a person in your in your process, you as a person in your relationship with your supervisor and your examiners. Um, so thank you for reminding us um, of that. Thank you for being so generous spirited with um, your advice for others. Um, and uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you so much, Theo. Okay. Well, thanks thank for um, the interview. <laughs> thank you.